Well, good morning, Generation Church. How are you today? All right. Aren't you glad that you live in Arizona? Man, the rest of the country is freezing their ears off. And we are just down here loving life, walking around in T-shirts, man. It is good. It is so good. Well, my name is Pastor Randy Visconti. I am the founding pastor here, and I am your speaker this last day of 2017. And uh, just before we get started, kind of two items I want to bring to your attention. Number one, this is the last day of 2017 for giving credit. So if you are behind in your giving or you need to catch up or if you want to get credit for this year, uh, today is the day you need to do that. Also, next week, we're going to be starting an 11 o'clock chapel service. And so we'll be having three chapel services, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11. So if you want to come over and check out chapel, we'd love to have you. Or if you know someone who would love that type of service, uh, let them know about it. We'd appreciate that. I preach over at the chapel, so we always have a good time over there. And this morning, we are going to complete our series on the modern family. And we're going to be looking at something every family needs. And that is lots and lots of forgiveness. So turn with me in your Bible or pull out your cell phones or just look up here on the screen as we go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 to 32. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And here's the key, here's the key here. Forgiving one another just as in Christ God forgave you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your forgiveness, Lord, and and we just thank you for your word. And and God, if there are people in our lives we need to forgive, help us to do that this morning because we know that's your desire. And, And Lord, it's hard, but we need your help. So just let us hear your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen. One time there was a census taker going around through Appalachia. And he knocks on the door of this little cabin, and, and a young girl answers it, maybe around 12 years old, and he says, uh, excuse me, miss, but, but is your father home? And she said, no, pa's in jail. And he said, well, is your mother home? No, ma ran off with a bootlegger. Well, is your big sister at home? Uh, no, my sister lives down at the bottom of the mountain with her five youngins. Well, do you have a big brother? Is he home? No. My big brother's at Harvard. He said, Harvard? What's he studying there? And she said, nothing. They're studying him. (laughs) Now, how many of you have family members who think, you know, somebody really needs to study this person? (laughs) And don't look around, but you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Someone said the reason the pilgrims happily celebrated the first Thanksgiving was because they didn't have to go back to England and celebrate it with their relatives. Now, some of us can relate to that, and families can be pretty crazy, pretty complicated, pretty confusing. Uh, the home can be pretty combative, can be a, it can be a hurtful place. And that's especially true around the holiday season. That time, that holidays tend to magnify family hurts. And for many people, for many of us, the home was the place where maybe we were hurt the most the people who can put some of the biggest hurts on our lives are some of our very own family members. 
And we've all had experience or maybe we've had family members where you had, had family members who, who had fought with us or lied about us or, or criticized us stolen from us. I think of Gary Coleman, the child actor. His, his mom and dad ripped him off of millions of dollars, left him penniless. You know, like, hey, thanks, mom and dad, right? Family members snub us or not be there for us when we needed them or take advantage of us. Or, I mean, on top of that, when you throw in divorce and how, how and custody battles and how messy and, and, and ugly and mean those can be, and then inheritances can tear a family apart and, and, and family feuds. And I'll tell you what, when it comes to family feuds, nobody can feud like Italian families. I know, believe me, I know what I'm talking about. I, I've, got, I've got family, I've got uncles and cousins who I have never met. I wouldn't know them if they were sitting in this room. I wouldn't know them from Adam or Eve because of family feud. And you know what? You know, I was robbed of those relationships because family refused to forgive and they stayed feuding up to the day they died. Now, also, there's physical and sexual abuse goes on in families. And, and these things have left deep, deep scars, emotionally, mentally, physically that affect us for years or maybe for the rest of our lives. So we, we have family situations where brother hates brothers, maybe sisters don't, haven't spoken for years, children who resent and disdain parents, parents who are disappointed in their children. I don't know, and I could go, messy families. Messy families create lots of pain, lots of hurts. Now, the problem with family is unlike your friends who you can pick and choose, and if they give you enough grief, you can just get rid of them, or schoolmates where you eventually go to the next grade or graduate, or, or co-workers where, where you can just go get a new job, a new career, or just ignore them, family, you're pretty much stuck with them. You didn't pick, you didn't choose them, but they can hurt you real bad. And they are family. So this morning, we're going to finish our series on modern family with family forgiveness. And, and we're going to see how families, especially families, need lots and lots of forgiveness. And that forgiveness can bring healing and freedom and blessing. Let's start by looking at the Bible and family forgiveness. You know, if you think your family situation's over the top, if you think your family situation is bad, man, just look at the Bible. The Bible is full of family problems that maybe sound a lot like your family. I mean, right from the beginning, one time Adam is having, is sitting around a campfire with his two sons, and one of them said, hey, Daddy, how come we don't live in the garden anymore? And Adam said, well, son, because your mother ate us out of house and home. <laughs> well, okay, that's not true, but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, you, if you, look, at, if you look, look through the Bible, you'll see right from the beginning, a brother murders a brother. Dad gets drunk and curses his sons. Another dad gets drunk and sleeps with his two daughters. Ugh. Brother cheats his other brother out of his birthright. Son deceives his father thinking he's the other brother to get his birthright. Nephew and uncle are just constantly deceiving and, and, and trying to get one over on the other. Two sisters are fighting over the love of one man. 
Moses' brothers and sisters challenge his leadership. David's son, one of his sons, rapes his half-sister, and then that half-sister's older brother murders him, and that same, same brother tried to steal David's throne. David has to flee for his life. I mean, talk about an awkward Christmas on that one, right? And even though the, even, even the Lord's own family members thought he was nuts and tried to take him home. But the Bible does give us two great examples of family forgiveness. And one is a brother to brothers, sibling forgiveness. One time there's a young man named Joseph, 17-year-old man, and Joseph's family, I mean, this, this was a modern family. You, they are highly dysfunctional family. This family was just a hot mess. You had favoritism. It was ultra-blended. You had 12 boys from four different mothers. You, you, it was divisive. It was strife-filled. There was lying. There was deception going on. And Joseph, Joseph had brothers that were so hateful, they plotted to murder him. When they saw him coming, they said, hey, let's kill him. Let's kill Joseph. Let's kill this dreamer. Then we'll see what happens to his dreams. So instead of murdering him, though, they sold him off to the, sold him off to the Midianites to be taken to Egypt. So just imagine your brother selling you into slavery. Now picture this. Joseph, his hands are bound. He's being dragged behind a camel, being led away into slavery. He looks back, and I can just picture his brothers there laughing and ma ha ha ha. You know, laughing and mocking as he's being dragged away. Man, what would that do to you? Joseph, no one would have blamed him. It would have been natural for him to let his heart get filled with hatred and anger. And every step on being led down to Egypt, swearing vengeance, I'll get back at them. I'll get back. I'll be back, brothers. You'll just wait and see. And in the ancient world, vengeance was considered a virtue. And it's the same true today. I mean, if you, how many movies and novels and stories involve vengeance? Getting revenge on the bad guys that hurt you. And that's pretty much every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, right? You know, I'm going to kill you best, Paulie, because I like you best, right? Just to the ancient Greeks, forgiveness was a weakness. And that may be how the world sees it, but that's not how God sees it. If you look at Joseph's story, Joseph was sold into, he was sold into slavery. He was bought by Potiphar, became steward of Potiphar's household. Potiphar had a wife who liked Joseph and, and basically wanted to do bad things with Joseph. Joseph wouldn't do it, so she cries rape. Joseph gets thrown into prison, and from there he winds up becoming the head of Egypt. He becomes second in command of all of Egypt. His word is law. And one day, guess who shows up? His brothers. And Joseph, how, how easy it would have been for him to be there. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent, Smithers, excellent. Right? Joseph's in the perfect position for revenge. One command. One word from him, they would have been slaves or thrown in the prison, or even had their heads cut off. All it would have taken just one word from them. But instead, we see in Genesis 45, verse 3 to 5, Joseph says to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? 
brothers, brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. <laughs> yeah, they had good reason to be, didn't they? Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they, when they had done as, as he said, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. You guys, yeah, you remember that little incident there? But now look what he goes on to say. And do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Even though Joseph had every right to punish and every right to revenge, and no one would have blamed him, and even though he had the power to lower the boom on his brothers, he chose to forgive them. I mean, you're talking slavery, prison. He chose to forgive all that. A brother forgiving his brothers who wronged him greatly. And then another, another incident we see in the Bible of family forgiveness is father to son. This is parental child forgiveness. Jesus tells a parable about a second son, a younger son, who goes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my share of the estate. I want it now. Give it to me. And so he takes the money and he heads off to Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, right? He goes off to Vegas and he squanders his wealth on booze, babes, and gambling. Fast women, fast camels, fast times. And you know that saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? <laughs> yeah, it's true, especially when it comes to your money. It's going to stay in Vegas. So th this young man, his money runs out, his friends run out, and his luck runs out, and he's stuck in a pig pen. Now, for a Jewish boy, that's about as low as you can go. So when we look at, when we look at this kid, what, what's this kid guilty of? Well, first of all, he insults his father. In the Middle East culture, to ask for inheritance before, the, before your father's death was, was an insult. It was dishonoring. Secondly, it was a rejection of his father. You know, it's basically, I'm, I'm rejecting your love, your values, your plan for my life. People often ask, why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there so much bad and suffering in the world? Well, the answer is simple, because mankind rejected God. Mankind rejected their father. And they rejected God's love and God's values and God's plan for us. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. And we're all guilty of that as the human race and as individuals. And that's why this world's so messed up. And that's why our families are so messed. And that's why you and me are so messed up. We are the prodigal son. Also, this son embarrassed and disgraced his father. I mean, something like that, like that happens back in those days. It was the talk of the town, right? And I could just picture guys coming up to the father saying, hey, Moshi, we're Sonny Boy. I heard what happened. Maybe if you were a better parent, he would have had a, had a better kid. Some of the most guilt-ridden people on planet Earth are moms and dads. You know, some of us as parents, we just live with a lot of, if only, if, if only I had done that, or if only I had been this. Also, the son, he squanders the family wealth. I mean, how long did it take for that family to build up that estate, that sizable estate? Generations, maybe? I'm sure the father worked hard all his life to build the family business, and, and now this stupid kid goes and blows it? 
And it's not like, you know, it's not like he meant well. It's not like, you know, he, he invested, trying to invest it, you know, like I invested in a fruit company named Apple. But instead, I, I went and I invested in Enron. You know, it wasn't type, that type of thing, investment that went bad. Or, or it's not like he tried to start a business that went belly up. I mean, m- most successful people have had a few failures under their belt. This young man squandered his money as sinfully and as stupidly as possible. And he winds up in a pig pen. And he decides to go home. I, I'll just go home and I'll be a servant in my, in my father's house. That's, that's better than what I got here. Ernest Hemingway, in his book called Capital of the World, tells a story about a father who put a personal ad in the Madrid newspaper, and the ad said, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday, all is forgiven. Well, it turns out that on Tuesday, the police had to be called out to disperse the crowd of over 800 men that showed up, which tells us two things. Number one, there's lots of Pacos in Madrid. And number two, there's lots of kids that need their parents' forgiveness. And I'll add, there's lots of parents who need their kids' forgiveness. Now, it's interesting here. I I learned that when Jesus was was telling this parable, that there was a similar popular story in Jesus' time that was very similar to this parable. And uh, only in, in that story, when the son comes home, broken, pathetic, destitute, the father stands there with his arms folded. It's like, well, look who's back. <laughs> you smell like pig. You insulted me. You shamed me. You rejected me. You squandered all that wealth that I worked so hard for, that I sweated so much for. How dare you come back? You made your choice. Now get out. And the moral of the story was, Bad boys get what's coming to them, right? And I could just see as Jesus is telling the story of the parable of the prodigal son and, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are standing there, legalistic, self-righteous, so full of themselves. And Jesus gets to the part where the son comes home and they're thinking, oh, yeah, oh, I love this part of the story. I love this part. Now the naughty little snot's going to get his comeuppance. Yes. This is so good. But instead, Jesus says, and the father runs to him. Oh, well, okay, yeah, he's going to do a flying karate kick. Oh, that's going to be good. (laughs) The father runs to him, and he hugs his son, and he kisses him, and he says, bring out the robe and put it on him. Take my signet ring and put him on his finger. We're going to celebrate. Kill the fatted calf. And the Pharisees and and the Sadducees are standing there with their mouths open. Dumbfounded. What? Flummoxed, dazed. That's not how I remember the ending. The father forgives this boy and welcomes him back into the family. He says, My son who was dead is alive again. My son's home. Father forgive. There's nothing like father forgiveness, right? I remember when I was, uh, I had an example of father forgiveness when I was about. 10 years old, somewhere in that area, and, and I had a BB gun. Now, when you take a 10-year-old's boy and you give him a BB gun, you know the story is going south, right? You just, you, and the good, I did not shoot my eye out, so don't worry about that. That probably would have been better. But um, 
Anyway, we were up at, we were up at our, our cabin up in New York State. My grandfather built the cabin up there after World War I, and, and uh, so we, we'd go up there for the summers and, and um, had hundreds of acres of woods there. I could have taken that BB gun and shot, but I wanted to shoot right by the house, right? because you're 10 years old, and it just seemed like a great idea. And my dad even says, Randy, don't shoot around the house. Don't shoot around my car. My dad had a big Ford station wagon. Remember those cars? Station wagon big enough to carry two adults, five kids, and a German shepherd and luggage that's probably about as long as this sanctuary with the wood panels along the side. How many remember those babies, right? All right, so my dad said, don't shoot around the car. But I knew better than my dad because I was shooting. I put my soldier on a rock that was this way. The car was just was over here. So I was shooting this way. Car was that way. What could go wrong? <laughs> Nothing, right? I was shooting those soldiers. I was winning. I shot all of them. None of them shot back. <laughs> One guy was left. I thought, I'm going to really get him. And so I pumped that, that air gun up, you know, boom, 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 boom. pumped it up as, as hard as you could pump it up. And I shoot that BB, and that BB came out of there with such force that it did, it did kill that last soldier, but it hit the rock behind him. And that rock caused it to ricochet over here and hit the driver's window, the driver's side window. <laughs> now, BBs just put little tiny holes through windows, if you've ever seen that. It just put a little tiny hole through the window. But when my dad, my dad heard that, and he comes flying out of the house, down the porch, down the steps, over to the car, and I'm standing there with the gun in my hand. <laughs> no way I'm getting out of this one. I can't lie my way out. I can't blame my brothers. I am guilty as sin, caught red-handed. And I'm thinking, I am in a lot of trouble. And so my dad goes over to the car, and I remember, I can picture this so vividly today. He goes over to the car, he opens up the door, and he looks at the inside of the window, like the hole's different on the inside than the outside, right? <laughs> and he's so mad that he slams the door, and when he slams the door, the entire window shatters into a thousand pieces of broken glass. And at that point, my brothers come running up saying, Randy, run and hide in the woods. <laughs> Which, you know, this is all happening very fast. But I thought to myself, I can do that, but I don't want to spend the rest of my life living in the woods. It gets cold up here in the winter. So I just thought I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand here and I'm going to take what's coming like a man because I deserve it. I mean, I just really deserve everything I'm going to get. I am. I'm just thinking, I am, I am just, I'm dead. I am a dead man. I'm 10 years old and I'm dead. And I remember my dad just, when that car, when that glass shattered, he just looked at that, looked over at me, looked back at the car, and he just turned around and walked up the steps and went in the house and never brought it up again. And I'm like, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm still alive. And that was Father forgiveness. We have a heavenly Father who forgives us, who welcomes home sinners, who forgives us, who celebrates when we come to him. 
And he, and he calls on us, he calls on us to forgive one another just as he forgave us. Now, these stories teach us to forgive, to forgive family members. And the Bible tells us that God places a high value on forgiveness. We, said, we see that in Luke 37. It says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Matthew 6, 14, for if, you, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a story, called, it's called the unmerciful servant, or you could, you could call it the story of the unforgiving man. But basically in this story, what happens is this guy owes a king a fortune. We'll, we'll, you know, you can put any amount you want. We'll, we'll just say this guy owes the king a trillion dollars. And the king says to him, pay up. And the guy says, I have no money. I can't pay you. And so the king says, all right, take him, throw him in the jail, and sell his family into slavery. And the man says, oh, no, please, your majesty, have mercy on me. Please forgive me. And the king says, okay, forget about it. He was from New Jersey. The king was from New Jersey. Forget about it. He cancels that whole debt, that entire trillion-dollar debt canceled. How many would like it tomorrow if the bank called you up and said, hey, Mr. So-and-so, we are canceling your mortgage? How many think that would be a great day? This guy has a trillion-dollar debt canceled. In those days, they threw you in the jail if you couldn't pay. Or, you know, they did terrible things to you if you couldn't pay. And he gets forgiven. And so he goes skipping out of the palace, happy as a lark, runs into a guy that owes him 10 bucks. And he goes to the guy, hey, you owe me 10 bucks, pay up. The guy says, I don't got it. He says, no, you got to pay up, pay me right now. I don't have it, give me some time, I'll pay you. No, take him and throw him in the prison, sell his family as slaves. What would you say to this guy? What an arrogant jerk, Right? What an ungrateful jerk. Say that, say ungrateful jerk. Ungrateful jerk. Yeah, what an ungrateful jerk. Hey, he just got forgiven a trillion dollars, wouldn't forgive a guy owed him 10 bucks. So the king hears about this, calls the guy back in and says, what is going on here? I just canceled a trillion dollar debt that you owed me. You couldn't forgive some guy 10 lousy bucks. You're an ungrateful jerk. Now understand this. In that story, the king is God. The man who owed the king a trillion dollars is you and me. That's us. The guy that owed the man who got forgiven a trillion dollars, the 10 bucks, that's people who have sinned against us who we need to forgive is everyone you need to forgive. Because in Matthew 18, verse 35 to 30, 34 to 35, look how this story ends. In, in anger, his master, or the king, turns him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus goes on to say, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And not just your brother, it could be your sister, your father, your mother, your son or daughter, or anybody. 
Because in Matthew chapter 6, getting back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, it says, if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That tells us God doesn't give us a lot of wiggle room on forgiveness. You better forgive. You've got to forgive others as your heavenly Father forgave you and from the heart. Because you don't want to go through life with an unforgiving heart or an unforgiving spirit. Because an unforgiving spirit, the second thing, that, that carries some consequences. Forgiveness is a choice. We can choose to forgive. We can choose not to forgive. But if you choose not to forgive, be advised, be aware, there are going to be consequences. You need to forgive. Now, there are some, there are, I came across this, this teaching on some evidence of unforgiveness. Uh, if you have unforgiving spirit in your heart, here's some things that, that, that these type of people can display. Number one is self-destructive behavior. You keep doing things that, that hurt you, that are bad for you. And even when something good happens to you, you just kind of find a way to mess it up. Have you ever known people like that? I mean, they just kind of go through life, lift cover, press self-destruct button. And no matter what happens, they find a way of ruining it. Or you're constantly putting others down. You're hypercritical, never a kind word. You tend to humiliate people. You're negative. I mean, you're about as much fun to be around as a crocodile. And bitterness just oozes out of you. You're sarcastic, cutting humor, angry, constantly angry, explosive temper, chain of broken relationships. You go from marriage to marriage to marriage or friend to friend to friend. You just, you just can't keep the same. You can just seem to keep a relationship, a lack of joy, especially if you're a believer because unforgiveness is like a cancer to your soul. Overly competitive. Now, competition's okay. I like to win. But I mean, some people are just over the top, aggressive, and, and, and they just lose control way out of proportion to, to, to what the, the contest is. It's like, dude, it's just a game of checkers. Relax, right? Yeah. It's just a softball game. You don't have to kill over it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see any of those characteristics in your life or maybe somebody you know? Well, you, if so, you need to examine your heart and ask, do I have an unforgiving spirit? So how do I forgive? We are called to forgive. God requires it. Strong terms. If you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. You don't want to be that ungrateful jerk, right? But we have a hard time forgiving because we don't want to, and we fight it. But this morning, I want to, I want to help you. Here, here's some things that I think maybe will help Help us to forgive if you're struggling with that. First of all, let's clear up some misconceptions when it comes to forgiveness, because there are some big misconceptions. Forgiveness is not denial. It's, it's not just, you know, let's pretend it never happened. We'll never speak of it. We'll bury it. That's the way some families deal with things. You know, we just won't speak of it anymore. We'll just act like it never happened. But that doesn't get rid of the hurt. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You know, uh, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Of course you're not going to forget. You can forget. You don't have a delete button in your brain. You're going to remember. Forgiveness is not forgetting, but it is getting past it. 
Forgiveness is not excusing or condoning what happened to you. You know, some people think, well, if I, if I forgive them, that's like saying it was okay. No, it's not saying that at all. It's not saying it was okay or it was no big deal or it wasn't wrong. It, it was wrong. It was awful. It was sin. Forgiveness is not the same as letting it keep happening to you over and over again. You, you can forgive, but you still need to protect yourself. You don't let people keep hurting you and abusing you. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is always given. Forgiveness is basically saying, I forgive you, but that trust needs to be rebuilt. And that can take time, and that's a process. And that brings us to the next thing. And this, is, this trips up a lot of people. And that is forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. You don't instantly become buddy-buddy when you forgive somebody necessarily. You can forgive. That's up to you, and that's something you should do. You should always forgive. But reconciliation takes two. Takes two to come together. And things must happen first. Like, for instance, there may be a need for repentance or restitution or rebuilding that trust, and that can take time. That can be a process. I should always forgive. You understand that? I should always forgive, but I may not always be able to reconcile. So forgiveness, what is that? Forgiveness is is choosing to let go. I'm, I'm letting go of the bitterness. I'm letting go of the anger, the hatred, the need for revenge. I'm giving that over. I'm giving that to God, and, I, and I'm giving over the wishing of harm to the person who hurt me, and I am replacing it with blessing, love, and wishing them God's best. Now, is that easy? <laughs> no, not at all. But is it best for you? Yes. God requires it. And we must do it. Because here's, this, here, here's another thing that'll help. Understand the forgiveness you have received. You know, there's a saying, forgiveness is God had his, at his best when man is at his worst. And, and we have been forgiven a lot. Remember, you're the guy that owes a trillion dollars who had that debt forgiven. And we are to forgive others who sin against us. We are at our best when we forgive others. And you have received a lot of forgiveness. The Apostle Paul, he understood that. And that's why he said, here's a trustworthy statement that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. You got to have that same attitude of Paul that Jesus forgave me the worst of sinners. How can I not forgive others when they sin against me? I pray, forgive me my debts. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our debts as we forgive ours debtors. Here's the third thing. This will help you a lot when it comes to forgiveness. Realize forgiveness is for your benefit. Forgiveness, when we choose to let go of that, that bitterness, that rage, that, that malice, that need for revenge, th- those emotions will hurt you. Emotionally, spiritually, maybe even physically, they can damage you. They'll eat you alive like cattle, just eat you up like cancer. One, one, one counselor, a psychoanalyst counselor, he said, pretty much every problem I encounter in counseling comes down to either the need to forgive or the need to be forgiven. Isn't that interesting? 
So you have to realize forgiveness is for your benefit, not as much as the benefit of the person who wronged you or hurt you or offended you. Unforgiveness is a wound that never heals. It is a pain that keeps on giving. It keeps you the victim when you are called to be the victor. Somebody said bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. (laughs) Forgiveness sets you free. It releases you and it pleases God. And when you obey God, when you please God, that's when the blessings flow. So if you're struggling with, with forgiveness this morning, just, just stop and, and see, see it as something that benefits you. It's for your benefit. And here's the final thing. See God at work in your life. Remember Joseph, what, what if Joseph had chosen not to forgive his brothers? What if he had his brothers killed? One of his brothers was named Judah. And it was from Judah that the line of the Messiah came out of. He would have killed God's plan. Unforgiveness will kill God's plan for your life. It will kill God's best for you. But Joseph chose to forgive. He chose to see God's hand at work in his life, even in the the terrible times. And look what he says in Genesis 50, verse 18 to 20. He says, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him, We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to him, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So even when when others meant it for, for harm or evil or to hurt you, God is able to turn that around. God's able to turn that around and use it for good and bring good out of it. Somehow, someway, God will bring good out of even the bad things that happen to us because that's what type of God he is. God's able to turn it around and use it for good if you trust him to do that. And it, it helps a lot more if you see that those hurts, those bad things that happen to you if, you, if you choose to say, you know what, I believe, even though that hurt real bad, I believe God's gonna use it for good. That'll help you in forgiveness. So just as we close, I've got some action steps for you, some things, some things to do. Pretty much every family needs forgiveness. If your family doesn't, you're just real blessed. Let me just tell you that much. But pretty much every family does. So what I want, what I want you to do right now is right now as you're sitting here thinking, I want you to identify family members you need to forgive. Who just comes to mind right off the bat, just... Who do you need to forgive? Who hurt you? Who are you feuding with? Who are you not talking to? Maybe somebody got resentment or ill feelings to, and you need to forgive them. Secondly is choose to, begive, choose to begin the process of forgiveness. It is a process, and we have to work on it. And sometimes it takes time and effort and constant reinforcing. So it, it's usually not a one-and-done deal. It takes a while. And here's the third thing. Ask God to help you. Remember, forgiveness is not, it is not natural for us to forgive, but it is supernatural. It is what Christians are called to do. And remember, remember, you had a trillion dollar debt canceled on you. How can you withhold forgiveness from others? And here's the fourth thing, final thing. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God how to rebuild or mend or heal that relationship, if it's possible. 
may not always be Paul, but if it is, maybe you're the one that needs to initiate it. Maybe you need to reach out to that person you haven't talked to in years or, or, or just begin the healing process, asking God, God, help me to forgive this person. Maybe you need to pick up the phone, go see the person. Well, ask God for wisdom. I, you know, I don't know exactly the, the best way for you to go about it. God does. And we can trust him to do that. So right now, I'd like you to bow your heads as we go to the Lord in prayer. And, and, I, and I just want to ask you, how many of you here are needing some family forgiveness? You, you have family members you need to forgive. And this morning, you're, you're willing to say, okay, God needs to help me do that. I, I'm, I want to do that. God needs to help me. If that's you, just as a way, of, uh, I, like to, I like for us to like physically respond to messages because I just think it kind of helps cement it in our heart a little bit. But, but if that's you, just, just as a way of responding, just put your hand up. Just put it up high. Yeah, lots of hands. Okay, I knew there would be because lots of families have lots of hurts. You can put your hands down now. I just want to pray for you. Father, uh, you just see all these hands, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to forgive. Forgiveness is not easy, God. It's supernatural, but it's what you do. Just like as you have forgiven us, help us to forgive others who have hurt us or wronged us or, or abused us, Lord, because it's for our benefit. Thank you, Father, for that. But now I want to ask you here, if you're here, you know, the greatest thing you can receive is forgiveness from your heavenly Father. When God forgives you all your sins because you owe God a trillion dollars, it's your sin debt. The Bible says, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions the Lord doesn't count against him. That can be you. What do I have to do to get that? You have to ask. You have to say, Jesus, I need you. I, I, I want you in my life. And if you're ready to do that, we're here to pray for you to do that. If you want to receive God's forgiveness this morning, if you need to do that, I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to just pray this prayer with me. Okay, just pray it from your heart. Dear Jesus, Lord, I come to you. I admit that I am a sinner, that I have sinned against you. But now I ask for your forgiveness. Make me brand new and bring me into your family. And from this day forward, I want to live for you according to your word. Help me to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, just as a way of saying, yeah, that was me. We want to celebrate with you. But if you prayed that prayer, just right now, put your hand in the air. Put it up there nice and high so we can see it because we believe that is the best thing anybody can do. And we are excited for you and welcome to your new life in Christ.